And we got uh, tickets there for home coming in and going out there early to the student body. I'm going to do an action here for it right now. This is Hapsy Baby Boy on the Lake Show. We're going to do an action for tickets right now. I got $10 going for a ticket. I want 15 I got $10. I want 15 Sir, I see you back there with the hand in the wallet. You better get in there and dig out some cash for me, boy, because I need $15. $15 is the man there. I convinced him to do it. Thank you very much, sir. I see you out there. Now I'm looking at you over there, the lady there in the blue dress. The lady there in the blue dress. You know, I know you got something in there. I don't care if it's a credit card. You throw it at me right now. Get your ticket right here, right now. We'll get you up there on the stands. You can have a good time. Cheer all night long. Okay, come on. We got the lady back there. She's coming. She got $20 here. I got to go back there. You got to do 25 Come on, baby. Come on, baby. We got 25 We're going 25 Pop the tickets here. I want you all up at the AC. You can have a lot of fun. A lot of games going on. A lot of stuff to do. Get involved. Have the show's proud. Hey, it's a lake show. What else you want to do? Baby. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to take this opportunity to formally welcome you to episode 24 of The Lake Show. And we have some things in store for you today, folks, that you're just not going to find anywhere else. Because, folks, it's the... Lake Show! <laughs> what else do you want to know? Salty, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, man. This is a awesome time of year. The weekend, or the couple days right before homecoming. My last one. Well, as a student, I guess I'll be coming back definitely every year because... Uh, Gotta love homecoming, but yeah, man, I'm excited. It's been fun. Hopefully, it's some people go. are coming in town, some alumni. Get to see a lot of old faces. I know a lot of the alumni from the volleyball teams coming around, so that'd be cool. Uh, hopefully, some of the soccer guys and other sports, and just you know, students in general coming around. So I'm excited. Yeah, it's a homecoming is a big weekend. I feel like it's late this year, or like, no, it's six. Like it's normal, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Either or. Yeah, it's here. Yeah, it's, it's gonna be a huge weekend. Lots big, of fun to be had. Yeah. Lots of games this weekend. There's no excuse why you shouldn't be at every single one of them. So I don't know, you have plans this weekend, cancel them. Because you're not doing anything but watching Laker athletics. You're partaking in Laker activities. And you're going to show some Laker pride, some spirit. We want to hear it. Yeah? Not too much to ask, folks. I don't believe so. What's going on with you, though, Salt, man? Oh, man, this is our last week before we head out to placement, right? So This is our last week together. Yeah, last week together for another five weeks. So, God, it's going to be hard. Uh, it's been a busy week. You know, all the teachers and profs are trying to squeeze everything in this uh, in this week. So keeping busy, but you know that you can see the carrot at the end of the week. You just see it there. You just see the Friday, the Saturday, even the Thursday night maybe. Who knows? But the homecoming is here, and you just can't wait to get your stuff done so you can get going and uh, enjoy some apple juice. So many apple juices, probably. Mm -hmm. um, it's gonna be it's gonna be a good weekend. Lots of uh, lots of stuff to get involved with. We got uh, the women's hockey team is the big game this Saturday, 7:30 p.m. at the Gardens. I believe there's a bunch of shuttles and buses going down there. We got lots going on. It's always a really fun time of year, and it's. Like I said, don't be afraid to get involved. Put some blue and green on. Absolutely. Have some fun. Best time of the year. It's it actually Christmas it's a very good it's yeah. a very big weekend. Yeah. We have lots of games. I'm gonna quit we got men's basketball playing Boom. Canada or College, six PM. Bingo. RJS Athletic Center. Then we have women's basketball playing Durham. 1 p.m., the RJS Athletic Center. We have women's soccer, men's soccer, both playing Ryerson. Women at noon, men at 2.15. We'll see you there. Women's volleyball playing their alumni, 4 p.m. Men's volleyball playing their alumni, 6 p.m. This is all happening on Saturday. Crazy things are happening. <laughs> Lacrosse playing University of Ottawa, 5 p.m. at the Nipsing Field. We got women's hockey, like I said, Saturday night, 7.30 p.m. at the Memorial Gardens. <laughs> <laughs> then Sunday, we're not stopping on Sunday, folks. Don't sleep on Sunday because we got women's basketball versus St. Clair College at 10 a.m. at the RJS Athletic Center. It does not stop this weekend. Women's soccer <laughs> at noon against Toronto. 
and Sakura 215 against Toronto. This is going to be crazy. I'm excited. I hope you are too. I feel like I'm missing a team there. Oh, well, yeah, the men's, men, hockey. men's hockey, unfortunately, on the road. Very odd time for us to hit the road. <laughs> My last homecoming, I'll be on the road. <laughs> That's fine. We play at 3.30 on Saturday, so I might get I, I, I might get undressed on the bus on the way home. No showering that game. Where I'm going to go, I'm going to wear my skates right down the hall, across the parking lot, onto the bus. Just sitting there on full equipment. Not even undo my chin strap. I might skate to the bus. Get him to open the gate and hold the door for me because I'm was, skating yeah, right to the bus. The overtime winner where the guy just goes out the gate right Joh away. Yeah. Ryan Johansson, yeah. you'd be doing that, but just going right to the bus. I'll be doing that. I probably no, won't be scoring the winner. <laughs> no skate guards, nothing. Just <laughs> if I scored an overtime winner, I'll eat my skates. <laughs> I'd take a bite out of my skate. I'm not trying to chirp myself, but like I'd, I would knife and fork, sit down, <laughs> cut up my skates, and, eat them, and I'd eat them. There you go. No, maybe we should cut that out. I think I show some more confidence in myself. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun. Um, lots going on. Uh, we, we're getting off topic. I'm trying to rein her back in here. Yeah. Um, apart from that, we're I, I'm excited for the episode after this too because yeah. you know we'll talk some more homecoming talk. That's after. right. We'll have good stories hopefully and some some. Oh. Yeah, it's an exciting uh, time of year, and you know we do. I want to touch up a little bit on being safe throughout the weekend too. You want to have fun, but make sure we're doing it in a respectful way, especially when you're off campus too. You know, you're always wearing the blue and green, and you gotta respect the gotta respect the logo. You know, we talk about this a lot. You know, if you're wearing the blue and green, don't be an idiot. Yeah, exactly. Don't Pretty be simple. an idiot. Don't in be that community. guy. You know, there's you know always what I mean? like you just you always hear about that guy. Don't be that guy. And he, they ruin it for everyone. Yeah, exactly. One bad egg can ruin the whole batch. Like, is that off, the saying? Yeah, stay off the roof. That's all I gotta say. Get off your roofs. <laughs> like, yeah, it's like not you're not it. up there with bay roof and slapping <laughs> tiles down. You don't need to be up there. The roof's fine. There's shingles on it. I don't need you up there taking a Snapchat video with a filter you paid $75 for because you're hosting a block party in the ghetto. I don't need it. I don't need it and, and we don't want it. It's crazy that we gotta tell you that too. But there's what's with the roof? I don't know what it is, man. I don't like know. you can't have a good time. It's just a rebellion thing. Like, oh, I'm gonna step on the roof here. Watch. Get on the roof. Yeah. It's homecoming. Get your ladders. <laughs> no, put the ladders away. It's embarrassing. <laughs> I remember I laughed. It was last year. I don't even. I just saw something and it was like, I don't know. It must have been that spotted in North Bay. Yeah, yeah. That thing really died too. What happened to that? That used to be a really yeah, bumping. Like, remember that Nipador stuff? Nip. Yeah, there was. There used to be Nipador. There used yeah. to be the spotted at Nipissing. People yeah. there. That just died. Yeah. But anyways, so last probably year for a good thing. <laughs> probably for a good reason. Yeah. Last year, like literally, homecoming hadn't even started. Yeah. And there was already a post being like, "Look at all these nip kids up on the roof! <laughs> like, just get off the roof, please." Yeah, even if you, there's nothing wrong with it, just stay off them. Like, have fun, but don't drag too much attention to yourself. Oh, you're on the roofs. Like, it's like mix obvious, in yeah. like going into the garage, maybe shut the door. Yeah. <laughs> Drawing the blinds. <laughs> <laughs> But you know, I have some fun, but don't. Uh, I, and you know what? God bless those people in the student ghetto. Some of them are having some complaints. There's going to be some fun had this weekend in the ghetto. I can imagine. Yeah. Do it respectfully so yeah. that we don't have a Bay Today article Seriously. tomorrow Go talking see. about people dunking basketballs on their neighbors' nets. What was that? <laughs> <laughs> I don't need to hear that again. I read that one before. It, it was tough to read. Oh, but like, but seriously though, right? Like, you want to be able to be respectful. And there's a lot of neighbors out there. Just go say hi to them. Go say what's going on. And like, don't. 
don't be that guy, like we said, that's going to ruin the fun for everybody. Make it respectful, have fun. The neighbors know they're going to have fun, but just, like I said, no no roofs. The music has to be blaring through across yeah. every street. Just do it respectfully and have fun. Like, it's it's homecoming. Enjoy it. Don't ruin it for yourself and everybody else. You maybe knock on the door next door and say, hello. Honestly, yeah. There might be some noise. Maybe uh, you want to give me a call. I'll deal with it before. Yeah. And if you know your neighbors, you Sergeant know, Sawyer's coming down with the baton. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you know your neighbors are a little older, if they have kids and stuff like that, like, go somewhere else. Trying to be... So, uh, conscious of what's going on around you. You're, you're not. You're not alone in Tibo. Buy them a hotel for the weekend. <laughs> Think ahead. Yeah. Think ahead. Be yeah. a problem solver. <laughs> you're university students. Solve problems. Be a professional. Whatever that means. But do it. Uh, but nonetheless, it should be a great weekend. I wish you guys were in town too. For well, we'll be back. We'll be back. Yeah, you guys will be around. We'll come flying. Yeah, of course. I, I actually, the last game I was in town for the Nip Soccer, I saw you on the sidelines there. I saw Jack celebrate with you. Oh my Jack God. Jack Collins scored a goal, came right to you. I was, I'm not going to lie, I was screaming at poor Jack. <laughs> Jack's trying to play OUA soccer game. I'm screaming at him. He scored though, and I went nuts. He ran right up to me, gave me the 2 3 flash. I I, don't know, I was trying to get my hand out there, maybe get some, get some skin. Don't know if he's. I don't know if he saw it. Kind of looked me <laughs> off. Anyways, great goal by the kid. That was I. Wa- I was there for nine minutes. And I watched him score. Like he scored two and set That's up another one. And yeah. I was like, all right. Yeah. So all she wrote. He's on. Yeah. He's on. Uh, he's on a tear. <laughs> scored another goal against RMC as well. He's he's heating up. So it's good for him. It's great, great to guy. see. Doing an awesome job. Man, uh, both the women's soccer too. They're doing well. Yeah. Right now, the men's soccer team has a record of three, four, and one mm-hmm. with eight games played for ten points. Good enough for fifth place right now. In the OUA East, and the women are sitting in third place in the OUA East with a record of five and three and 15 points, and they have two games in hand on uh, first place Ottawa U. And might as well, who else is in action with the season? We got Lacrosse as well. Lacrosse is sitting in third place right now in the Kuffla East <laughs> with a four and two record. And uh, the boys are heating up as well. Make sure you're getting out there, supporting the lacrosse team, supporting the soccer teams, going right through the heat of their seasons right here. We're going to try and get... Uh, I don't think we've had any lacrosse players on since our inaugural episode of the Lake Show. No, you're right. We're going to have to bring some guys on, too. They're coming towards our cup, too, the Battaglia Cup, I think it's yeah. called. So we usually try and get them around that get time, kind of get them uh, heating up about lacrosse talk and let us know what's going on with the big teams. But, yeah, man, they, they look like a well-oiled machine uh, with the new coach coming in and... <laughs> Yeah, they're impressive teeth to watch too. That's good. Yeah, no, it's exciting. It's exciting time. It's a Absolutely. it's a busy time up here at the school. Like I laugh like that field. It's just like practice team, practice team. Like yeah. the AC is a jungle right now. The athletic yeah. therapy room is bumping. It's a bumping. Yeah, it's like a nightclub in there. <laughs> yeah, it's there's, crazy. There's people just hanging out. If you want to find out anything about league athletics, just step inside there for, for just like go in there for an, an hour, moment. maybe. Yeah, and you an hour. Yeah. yeah, you'll see every single team coming in and out, and you'll hear all about it. Yeah. God bless Mackenzie and Chris Souls. They're they're working. They're working hard on there. Yeah, they're just taping everything. Yeah. <laughs> like, we talked about this. They're just taping stuff. They don't even know what they're doing. <laughs> well, no, they know exactly what they're doing. But, they like, they just do it. Yeah. Chris bites his lip, and he grabs that roll, and he just tapes. Because, like, taping is, like, a form of art for him. All jokes aside, though, they'll probably do an ankle tape job in... 38 seconds it'll take me probably like five minutes <laughs> it's, it's insane the artwork they do with those things like it's wild it is it's, art but yeah no it's impressive what they do is no joke it's cool. definitely always got to give a little hat off yeah. chris and mckenzie doing god's work yeah. make there sure you say the thanks art. you know they work hard to, like, to keep everybody and fill everybody in and uh yeah just give a maybe grab a coffee yeah seriously maybe a timbit chris loves tim <laughs> i don't know <laughs> i don't know if he does but you know, just start thinking about stuff like that you can do. You know, the world, you know, get, you know what? Pay it forward. <laughs> there you go. Anyways, 
October here. October 3rd. That's pretty crazy. Yeah, it's been moving really fast. It's You know what? All things considered, the weather isn't that bad yet. That's true. I'm, I'm that guy. I'm wearing shorts till it snow falls. 100%. 100%. Yeah. I was I'm wearing like, short sleeve sandals yesterday. Yeah. Like, I got to do it. You got to do it. Might as well do it for as long as we can. Exactly. Um, we had a good episode today. We had uh, Mike McParlin on. Yeah. Coach of the men's hockey program since their inception. And uh, it was a really cool interview. Mike has played, had a really good playing career for himself, yeah. <clears throat> which he transitioned to an almost, as of now, he's almost coming up on 30 years of being a head coach. Jeez. and. Mike coached in some levels of hockey that a lot of people don't understand. Like he, he literally he coached in one of the best leagues in the world as yeah. a head coach for uh, several seasons. He played in the NLA, which is the Swiss top league. Um, that's no joke. Like if you mm-hmm. just so we talked about it briefly in the interview, but just a couple nights ago, the Philadelphia Flyers were on their global series in preseason. And they played Lucan. I'm saying it totally wrong, probably Lucan. I think they played them and they lost four three to the Flyers. Um, NHL oh, the, team. So, yeah, the Flyers lost. For it, yeah, the yeah. Flyers lost, and uh, we were just checking out the highlights. Pretty crazy to see like this team skate with an NHL team and putting the boots to them a little bit. They chased Carter Hart out of the net, with yeah. four straight goals to get him going. And I don't know. I saw it was cool. Just we, that was the other day, and then we're seeing that now. Mike comes on talking about all these cool towns he's played in, mm-hmm. coached in. He was gone for about thirty some years after his uh, junior career in town here, and you know he made his he made his uh, definitely made his name known out there in Europe, and uh, he's still coaching today. So we had a lot of fun talking to him. Played with some really cool players. You're not gonna want to miss this one. It's it, we had a really good time doing it. And I believe I don't know. Have we interviewed every coach yet? We're getting there. I think we need we need we still need men's uh, men's soccer. Yeah. We need lacrosse. We should get Nordic cross, cross country. country. Yeah. You gotta. We, Man, I think every coach here would have a sick story. They all have sweet. sweet. That's what I mean. Yeah. We, and we have fun bringing them all along. Cross yeah. country, quick shout out. They're at a meet in Waterloo on Saturday. So best of luck to all them. Uh, they're training hard. God love them. Yeah. Like the Nordic team too. Like I see them always uh, skate skiing up that hill, mm-hmm. the this college hill I there. I can barely walk up that no, hill. No, I can't I can, believe what My doing. truck can barely make it up yes. that hill. <laughs> and these guys are skate skiing up it. So that's pretty impressive. Yeah. Uh, shout out to them. They're always working hard. I always see Jordan Casconet. That guy's an absolute yeah. freak. Yeah. That guy's probably just runs in his he's sleep. Eh? Oh, yeah. He's in my classes too. He right? could take a nap while running. Yeah, great guy. Just flies. <laughs> Unbelievable <laughs> to see. Always fun. Um, Salty, what do you think? Should we, the, what else should we touch on here? I don't know. I think we touched on pretty much everything. Um, we might as well just go. You want to just go straight to the interview? Let's do it. Let's yeah, do it. Like, what's holding us back? There's oh, nothing. Quick sneak. Uh, Sneak peek to the interview, too. Coach Mike McPerlin announced his uh, assistant captains and captains on the show today. Yeah, that was actually uh, kind of cool. I didn't even sweet. know really yeah. who he was announcing. And he hadn't announced it anywhere else beforehand. Yeah. We might get this episode before he does officially, but if we do not, just, you know, FYI, he announced it on here. So that was pretty sweet. Yeah, we had, the we had like, obviously, you know, being the Lake Show, we yeah, get uh, to the stories that matter first. Surprise, at least, and announce it on here, too. No, well, they were gonna, but we yeah. just kind of, we, we take sense. that. Yeah, we don't yeah. let other forms of media contradict what we're trying to portray with our yeah, messages, exactly. right? So yeah. that's just where we're at. I don't know what that means. <laughs> uh, but anyways, we had a really good time. Uh, Mike gave a little bit of announcement at the end, so I don't know. Hopefully, yeah. we're going to try our best to pump this out yeah, before, <laughs> before, before it comes out. Before we'll any see. words. This is um, Thursday as we're recording this. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, we're uh, doing this. Hopefully, we're going to get it out by tomorrow, which will be homecoming Friday the yeah. 4th. And if somebody, uh, people are driving down for homecoming, maybe you can pop this on the car, listen to the podcast on the show, uh, get you fired up for the weekend. Perfect opportunity to yeah. really just, you know, reconnect with the university, your alma mater, if you're an alumni coming down. And uh, we can't wait to see you. 
Yeah, I'm. Sh- I know that. So fun seeing all the familiar faces come. Oh, it's out, great. So it's the best, best man. I was getting in touch with the alumni committee here with hopes that they're out doing their thing, doing some cool stuff. They want to talk about their journey. Yeah. Post Nipissing, we would love to have the opportunity to talk to any of you if you're available. Anyone listening. If you want to get involved with the Lake Show, give us a show. Yeah, seriously. We'll have you on. We can do long distance everything too if you're out and about doing stuff and you want to talk about your journey. Like yeah. you said, we'd love to have you on. We will be having the Booth Boys on, which is a sneak peek to next week's episode. Yeah. They'll be coming on for an interview this weekend because they're all in town, so that should be interesting. They have a, they have some pretty hilarious stories about their- Yeah, that'd be good. We're not sure if I'm, I might not be able to be there for that one, yeah. but we're going to get that interview in. And uh, it's, it's going to be good. It's going to be a good time. So yeah, do you want to just throw it over to Mike? I think, folks, let's just get going with the interview here. Um, this interview is going to play right out until the end of the episode, so we really hope you enjoy. We had a great time with Mike. Uh, thankful for him to get in here, get an interview done. We had to bombard him in his office and drag him out to the boardroom, <laughs> our professional studio here at the Athletic Center. So without further ado, a big warm welcome to Mike McParlin. Our co- my coach too is kind of mm-hmm. I had to put the blinders on, <laughs> pretending I wasn't talking to my own coach there for a sec, but it always fun. We had a good opportunity there to talk to him. So without further ado, let's uh, pass it on over to Mike. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us once again for another great in-depth interview here on the Lake Show. I am very proud to bring on head head hockey coach Mike McParland, North Bay native. A man who has had quite the playing career himself, transitioned that into coaching where he has been doing that for the better part of the last three, over three decades really. So he's uh, seen it all, he's played in some great leagues, played in the OHL, played a little bit of CIS or back then it was the CIAU for the University of Guelph, made the transition to Switzerland, the Netherlands, Austria, ended up coaching in Germany, Switzerland like I said, all over the place and now back here in Nipsing for our Lakers. So welcome to the show, Mike. Thanks so much for joining us. Good to have you on. Thanks, guys. I'm honored to be on. I hear it's a great show. <laughs> Absolutely. And I've actually uh, convinced Mike to listen to a couple episodes, so I'm uh, <laughs> thankful now we dragged him onto the show. So, Mike, being a North Bay native, we're just kind of like, like we always do on the show, I guess we'll just kind of walk through your own life story, talk about your own playing career, a little bit about your transition into coaching, and then I guess we'll just kind of walk you out to the present day here. So starting out, you are from North Bay, from West Ferris, if I'm not mistaken. That's right. Yeah. I was born and raised in West Ferris and played out of the West Ferris Forum that they're trying to shut down now. And played my junior here in, in North Bay, actually, with Darren Turcott's dad as my coach. Uh, won the championship here back in the in the mid-'70s and moved on to Sudbury to play with some great guys that went on to play in the NHL. And as you alluded to, moved on to play at Guelph, where we won the OUAs twice. And... Uh, uh, yeah, I had a good career at university, uh, Guelph, and had a chance to go to Europe. And like you said, I've been in Europe for a few years. Yeah, you definitely made your rounds over there. Um, when you were, I wanted to just bring this up quickly. So you played for the University of Guelph in the 78, 79, 79, 80 seasons, and you made the transition to Europe afterward. Was that something that like many people were doing, or were you a little bit unique in that standpoint getting over there? I think it was just starting just before I went over. I was I was very fortunate that after both years the rules were a little different, but both years after the university season we were able to play uh, with a different team. And the first year I was I was lucky enough to play with the Guelph Platers before they were a major junior team as an overage player, and we went all the way to at that time what was the Centennial Cup final and is now the RBC Cup final, losing in the final uh, to Prince Albert. And then the next year, the same thing. I was lucky enough to go on and play senior A hockey with the Cambridge Hornets. And we went right to the Allen Cup final. And it was there one night, uh, some guy saw me score a couple goals. And 
uh, said, would you like to go to Europe next year? And, and that was uh, to go to Aston Hall. And then I'd never given it any thought. I was content at school. I thought I'd finish school, go to teacher's college, and, and uh, uh, look at the rest of my life out, out of that side. But the opportunity to go to Holland came up. And at that time, they were in the uh, A pool in the World Championships. The league was pretty good and uh, took the chance. And, you know, it was funny. I was a little bit of a, a late bloomer last year in Sudbury. I really started to, to get my points and, and be a good player and when I went to university I uh, was able to lead Canada the first year in scoring and that just continued and when I went to Europe uh, you know a little bit of luck and a little bit of good playing and uh, you put points up and you kept moving up and you moved from Holland to, to Austria to Switzerland and as you said it's, it was 28 years later I came back. Yeah, just looking right away at your stats, like six seasons there where you got 90 points right off the bat. Like the, you're talking about luck and stuff, but something must have clicked there too. Like how was the game from coming up to, from Canada to Europe? Did it change a little bit? Did it open up for you as a player? Well, it was just, it was just totally different being on the big ice surface. And right. uh, when I first went over there, it was uh, the skill level wasn't as high as, as it is today. There, there weren't as many good players on every team. and. And as the import player, they called you, you ended up almost double shifting every game. So you played a lot and, uh, you know, you had that opportunity naturally. And uh, one of the neat things going over to Europe was a lot of these teams paid bonuses per point. So if you're getting $100 for a goal or an assist, it doesn't matter what the score is. You're still moving your ass out there. That's unreal. I can imagine. Yeah, that would, must have been a couple bonuses then for money back in the day. Um, so how, I see that you played for, it's, I, I'm not even going to try to pronounce the names of these teams because I will butcher them, but <laughs> you played for three different teams in the NLB, and that was, this, at the time, was the NLA still active at that the time? The NLA was still yeah. active as well. So was that, how does that work? Do you get traded in that league or do you just kind of sign elsewhere? Well, you're always a free agent. What happened, I made a bit of a mistake. I was in the A, what was the equivalent of the A-League in Holland, and then I went to the A-League in Austria in Salzburg, which... Most, one of the most beautiful cities in the world and my mistake through my agent was coming to Switzerland instead of coming into the A-League because there was more money in Rappersville. He thought it would be more advantageous to play in Rappersville and, and you'd get a chance but the mentality in the Swiss uh, league is if you come in as a, as a second division import it, it's almost impossible to get back up and oh, play really? in the top division and that that hurt a little bit but in saying that, I was able to be picked up and play in the Spangler Cup with DeVos and, and uh, Schwinnigan from the German League, sort of playing that a couple times to, to show that you can score. And uh, Also, I was lucky enough when I was in uh, Rappersville that one year that Team Canada had come and recruited a bunch of young guys to play for Team Canada in what was called the Izvestia Cup at that time in, in Leningrad and played with about eight or nine guys on that team that went to the NHL as well. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, you mentioned the Spangler Cup too, and, and you know, I always love watching that on TV when it comes every year. And you see the atmosphere from the fans. Was it like that for most of the games too, for like league games, or is like the Spangler Cup like another like stage up? Well, was, the Spangler Cup, there's you'd like to say there's no pressure. There's always pressure, but it's mm -hmm. it's a it's a friendship tournament at Christmas, and it's probably one of the fastest tournaments or the fastest games there are because there's there's not a lot of hitting. It's a lot of show. It's high speed. And even back then, uh, uh, the atmosphere surrounding the tournament was unbelievable. Yeah. You know, um, when I went to uh, to play for DeVos, for example, Ron Wilson, the ex-coach of the Toronto Maple Leafs, <laughs> was one of the imports there. And 
and Lance Nethery actually, uh, a Cornell grad, we're going down to play Cornell this year. Uh, he was the other import on that on that DeVos team as well, and he's just moved uh, to the South Shore here on Lake Nipissing. Really? That's where <laughs> Stephen Deeg, Stephen Deeg played for his team last year over in Germany. Wow. So he's he's in this area as well. But to, to play up there in the Spangler Cup time it was was outstanding. And you, you ask about the atmosphere. I was lucky enough to coach in Lausanne when they first were promoted to the A League, and there were games that the crowd would start singing and banging their drums and have the megaphones going and guys with no shirts in the crowd and everybody down there pretty much hammered and <laughs> they would be going from the warm-up till the end of the game non-stop you really? could not hear yourself on the bench wow. it was a little bit like that I noticed the other night when Lausanne played uh, played the Flyers yeah when they were up forward in the third period you could hear in the background of the TV the fans singing and chanting yeah. in their in their beautiful new arena that's I, I we might as well touch on that right now because you yeah. said it. So you actually that team that if anyone watched the exhibition season in the NHL, the Flyers went over to Europe and they ended up playing Lausanne, as am I saying it right? Lausanne, yeah. Lausanne. And that was actually a team that Mike was a coach head coach of for three full seasons there in the NLA, the top league in Switzerland. So we were watching the highlights there the other day, it was pretty cool. Is that the same rink that you coached in? They just built a brand new rink. They just they just opened it. That was their third game. Uh at home in their new rink and it's uh, it's a beautiful arena and uh, it just it bodes well for Lausanne because it's, it is one of the most beautiful cities in Europe. That's unreal. I could I feel like and I, now that that league the Swiss league is so like highly touted like that's got to be one of the well they beat an NHL team that, that's probably one of the top three leagues in the world would you say? Well it is in, in a number of aspects first of all financially they 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 naturally pay their imports very well and and I I believe there are some Swiss players now closing in on making a million a year over there as well but but what makes it attractive is the climate how safe it is and if you're in central Switzerland and and there's 12 teams in the in the A league if you're in central Switzerland you probably have eight games or eight teams within an hour so uh <laughs> You don't have very far to go. I think the longest trip is probably Geneva to Davos or Geneva to Lugano. It's probably four hours or four and a half hours. I find I always find that crazy. So if there's like eight teams within an hour, and like I'm sure they all have like their own fan bases. Oh, they all have their own, and they're fanatics. They're <laughs> yeah. fanatics. They, you know, they almost get to the point where they become dangerous, where their expectations are even higher than 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 what the teams are. And and I remember having read of of playoff disasters by Bern or another team called Zug where the uh, the fans would actually lay in front of the bus after a game because the team played so bad as wow. a means of protest. They're, <laughs> they are fanatic. Oh, and they have hooligans too. Yeah. Zurich, and, Zurich and Lugano have hooligans and I, I was in Zurich one night scouting. I walked outside the arena and could hardly breathe because there's a big riot outside and the police had to fire the tear gas and it was still the odor was still in the air so it was, it was tough breathing. Is, uh, is there one team kind of in that league where you like to go play? Was there like a, like a city or a town that was always fun to go? Well, Bern, Bern is like the New York of Switzerland. They okay. average over 17,000 a game. Uh, they're run very professionally. They have a lot of, uh, uh, they have a lot of uh, uh, one-offs off their hockey team. They, they run all the, uh, the concessions for all the pools. They run all the, uh, the, sw the swimming pools yeah. in, in the in the area of Bern, they have restaurants and they're probably one of the few teams that make a profit but that's because of their uh, their outside businesses as well as getting 17,500 fans every yeah. game. Uh, it's it's quite a temple and uh, when you go to Bern and you stand on the bench as a coach and you look up the other side it's so steep 
and there's only like 5,000 seats. The people are just standing. It's a wall, and you have to actually look like that. And, <laughs> and all you see is people. It's pretty... Wow. People here can't under, wouldn't be able to understand their fandom. And, right. It's just like a different level of fandom over there. It's yeah. like it's like everyone buys in. Like it's just so much hockey over there. For like I don't know. And this I'm sure back then it probably wasn't deemed a hockey country. Um, just to think there was that many teams in, and just to see how far it's come, it's pretty cool. And I feel like it's just sweet getting to talk to you. I feel like you played in a really cool era of hockey. You know, through the '70s, the '80s, into the '90s. So you obviously might as well talk about. So you went from you played over there for seven, eight years, it says, eight, nine years, and then 88, 89, you made the transition into coaching, and you literally went from, it even says you, as a head, the year you head coached, you had to play a couple games, you said. So just touch on that, like, the opportunity to come coaching, was that something that you had been thinking about, or is that another thing that just kind of presented itself? No, I always, I always thought that I would, I would be interested in coaching, and, and now after the fact, a lot of my friends that I played with as kids here said, you know, when we played with you, you were always the person we, we listened to. You stood up in the dressing room, you said this, and you know, people people believed what you were saying. And, and um, what I did in preparation for post-playing was I, I had already completed most of my coaching certification program by the time I was 26, 27. Did I know I was gonna coach in Europe? No, I didn't. Uh, uh, was I ready to step in and coach at that time? No, I wasn't. Uh, I was injured in Le Chaux de Faux and, and the last season that I played, I, I was only able to play 15 games because of the uh, of contracting asthma and, and not being able to play at the standard they wanted. Um, my agent said, "Well, I have a team that would take you as a coach if you know you were interested." And I transitioned from from playing to coaching. And the first year I coached, at least half the players on our team were older than me, and I stepped into a good situation because we won the championship that first year. We, we won the the B League championship, but we didn't get we didn't win the promotion to go up to the A League. Um, it was it was a it was a neat experience and uh, yeah, just living and, and, and coaching in Switzerland was a neat experience. You know, when you look and see Guy Boucher was there now and Bob Hartley was there and uh, and uh, uh, Mark Crawford was there in Zurich. Ralph Kruger, who I know pretty well, now coaching in Buffalo. Uh, Sean Simpson, who was sort of back in my year in junior playing in Ottawa. Uh, started with me as an assistant coach and became the national team coach of Switzerland. And the opportunities I've had with Team Canada with coaching with Dave King, who is a, a legend in coaching and, and one of the guys I idolize as coaches to be able to work with him a number of times. And, and Mike Polino had coached with the Rangers before, uh, had a lot of real, real neat experiences. And, and probably the neatest was being asked to be head coach of Team Canada in a tournament in, uh, Piastani, Slovakia, and we probably had 14 NHL guys on that team and won that tournament. And I think we brought back 60 or 70 thousand dollars to grassroots hockey uh, for for the kids in Canada. Uh, yeah, a great experience. That's awesome. So you got the chance to coach in the NLB, the NLA, and uh, the DEL. If I'm saying that correctly, yeah. and you went back. So you 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 had a, essentially almost had a 20 year coaching career before you even started at Nipsing. This is pretty crazy <laughs> when you say it like that. So you've kind of come full circle, I guess, you know, bringing it back to North Bay where, you know, you got the opportunity to coach in, in your hometown where you grew up and whatnot. And how was that? So, you you know, you coached over for years. And then when did, like, the opportunity to come to NIP, is it, like, when was that starting to become, like, something that was on your radar? Because the, you've been here since the hockey program was incepted. Yeah, I, I was responsible for starting it up and, uh, uh, we had had discussions a couple summers previously to the inauguration year, 
Um, they asked me if I'd put in an application and uh, proceed with the interview process and uh, was I coming back or was I not coming back. It really was at the end a last minute decision. Uh, I'd been away for almost 30 years from North Bay other than home in the summers and uh, you know maybe I thought it was time to come back and reconnect. Uh, I have a lot of good friends in town and uh, uh, it was good to come back. Not to bring you back too much, but you were mentioning when you started coaching, you were playing, you were coaching guys that were older than you and stuff like that. How was it dealing with the team like that? Like, were you, did you have to be a little harder on those guys to set a tone, or how did you kind of deal with that? Well, you know what, I think at that time, uh, working with that level of pro, they weren't as polished naturally as they are today, and, and neither was I as a coach at that time. Uh, I think that I could still lead by example. I was able to show them things, and yeah. I had a good name in Switzerland from uh, playing in that Mm -hmm. NLB, I believe I led that league in scoring three or four times. Uh, so when I did say something, you know, they believed me, and then I had that opportunity to step in and play two games and was, you know, fortunate enough to score five times in the two <laughs> games, uh, hardly that's, playing. Yeah, that's setting the tone. <laughs> yeah, sure, you gain a lot of respect and credibility, and, and players see that, you know, you, you know what you're, you're, you're talking about or, you know, when you're trying to add something to them, it's, it's, it's pretty neat. But, you know what? In my time there, I, I had a lot of real good players. We talked about a lot. You mentioned lockouts before we went on air. Uh, there was one year that league had, you know, all the top NHL stars. Uh, Heatley was playing in that league. Uh, Joe Thornton, Rick Nash was in that league. We were fortunate enough to, to have a little bit of lesser players, but we did have Paul Martin, who later came back that year and signed five mil a $5 million deal with New Jersey then. and. Uh, uh, Trevor Letowski, who's coach in Windsor, won the Memorial Cup there. Mark Mowers, who's now a scout for Montreal Canadiens, uh, played for us. Jeff Shantz played for us. Had Eric Landry, who's coaching in Gatineau, uh, now in the Quebec League. Uh, played for me in Lausanne, not in Freeburg, but in Lausanne. Uh, Danny Briere was there. It, it was, it was, you know, it was a showtime. Yeah. And, and in one way, it was, it was great for the, the Swiss people because it did create what they like to call the spectacle. On the other hand, there were a lot of guys that that needed those jobs to make money. And these NHL guys come over, and you know, did they need the money? Is a question. Uh, they were they were paid quite well, but in a way, I, I had a bit of a, a difficult feeling for the guys yeah. that lost their positions that needed those jobs. That's what I was going to ask. It must be a unique experience, you know. Guys coming in for probably just one year, they weren't even sure at the time if it was going to be a full year. Yeah. Or, yeah so. How do you deal with that as a coach, as in like trying to keep those guys happy they're already here, and then the guys that are coming in, and you know trying to get them to buy in, even though they might even be here for a full season? Well, what was really tricky is in the, in the A division, uh, at that time the NLA, you're only allowed four imports, and, and I believe you only get six or seven uh, foreigner cards for the year. So if you did gamble on four NHL guys and mm -hmm. the NHL started back up, now you're in trouble. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay, that's so, true. I guess I never really thought about that with like the lockout. Obviously, these guys are coming over, taking people's jobs. Yeah. I guess that's something that's kind of cool to hear because I never. Would've, it's obviously not cool to you know cut a probably a Swedish guy or mm -hmm. Swiss guy. Sorry, because you know you got to put an NHL player on the ice. But definitely a little something I never really thought about. That was kind of cool to think about. So you were going, you went right from the NLA coaching and then you step into U sports like I'm assuming there was quite a big difference there what was that like, <laughs> like yeah it was uh, it was a little bit more than I thought um, naturally when you're coaching professionally you're the coach and you're not the one-man band like you are here in U sport and it's not just here at Nipissing like that but 
you know, here we're responsible from, from ordering equipment to booking ice time and exhibition games to fundraising to video booking analysis <laughs> to booking dentists, as you just heard, booking doctors, making sure t- people have tutors, making sure guys are passing. Uh, the amount of work you do here, other than just coaching, it's, 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 a, it's definitely underestimated for sure. Definitely something I don't think people like highlighted. Like you said, the amount of administration, logistical things that you have to do as a head coach, which is kind of crazy because you know then you you worry about all that stuff for hours, then you got to actually go on the ice. I mean, and then coach a team, which you know that's <laughs> that's a job in itself. Um, what was it like? So when you and when you took over the Lakers, like you had a fresh program, you had to bring in you know a full roster of players that had never played. Like, you know, this is a brand new program in a, in a pretty good league like so what was that like that must have been a kind of a crazy transition going from there well i, I came back in october before the, the year before we started up and uh, uh was on the road that year constantly because as you said we did have to recruit and and we did bring 40 guys in that first year to a training camp and i remember that winter being out recruiting and then i actually went to the national final in thunder bay that year to take part in meetings and, and watch the play and I saw a couple of games and I first thought holy cow where are we getting players this good <laughs> you know, where are they coming from and uh, you know it, it went real well we had some 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 real good teams uh, for example the Oakville Blades actually allowed me to go right in their dressing room and uh, uh, and talk about Nipissing University and our, our startup program and we ended up getting two or three players from there including Matt Hash who who came in and played real good in nets for us, as well as a another goalie out of that tier two team, Kyle Cantlon, who now uh, uh, interviews for uh, Yahoo Sports. Uh, if you go to the hockey pages, he's in those talks. You'll see when you go to the NHL. So <laughs> Kyle's done well doing that. And uh, we brought a guy in from uh, uh, one of our best forwards ever, Ryan Mounu, who was who was made a promise at Lakehead that he'd play in the top six, and they cut him two years in a row. And he came in here and, and had more points than anybody in Lakehead his first year, which which was really gratifying to him, uh, as well as uh, uh, Matt Leahy was was a four-year guy from the Ottawa 67s, and and Andrew Marcou, one of the biggest surprises that I've seen here at the school. He came in just a little guy, uh, I wasn't sure he could do university. Graduated with double degrees and and actually scored 23 goals in his first year, which is unheard of. Uh, in this league for someone to score 20 goals but we had him scoring 23 and uh, our defense was was made up with a number of of OHL guys so the first year we really uh, we opened in three rivers with a little bit of a a spanking and then we thought geez that's this is going to be a tough road and all of a sudden we went on a bit of a run we had a a real real unique uh, we had a real unique uh, uh, chemistry within the team and uh, uh, we were able to rattle off six or seven wins in a row and become nationally ranked in the first year which is also wow. unheard of <laughs> yeah I didn't know that. Uh, yeah uh-huh. we had a we had a great a great run and you know that that petered out a little bit but we still managed to make the playoffs in that first year which was also a, a big success and, and we grew from there a little bit in the, in the coming years we added guys like Connor O'Donnell that uh, uh, is now refereeing in the NHL, but he came in here and played for us for four years. And uh, by year three and four, he's top ten scorer in Canada. And then we had uh, Doug Clarkson, uh, the brother of the Clarkson that was with the Leafs, come in and, and played great for us. Paul Ginfrini, Brody Beard, a couple defensemen that uh, really solidified our defense. And 
allowed us one year to, I believe we only lost seven or eight games and finished as high as third in the league. So uh, we've had some, some good stories and we'd, we'd like to become relevant again like that. And I, I see this year with 10 or 11 new faces, a new atmosphere in the team, if we can, if we can create that team chemistry that we've had, then uh, uh, we should be okay again this year. For like your team culture and stuff, do you try and establish that right off the bat or do you try and get your leaders to kind of bring that in? How do you go into your having a team culture and establishing it? Well, I think in a perfect world, everybody would have the perfect team culture. Yeah. Some instances or some circumstances out of our control, I don't think we're in a situation where we're that level right now where we can say, oh, we're just taking this guy because he's a good character. We're not, we're not taking that guy. I think as a, an experienced coach, you always believe that you can, you can mold someone's character to a little bit better or a little mm -hmm. bit more positive degree than, than maybe he currently is. Uh, we've had success in that in the past and we've had missed success where, where it didn't work. Um, I believe this year it, it, it really reminds me of our earlier years where the character really seems good. Nice. Uh, we have in our, our older guys like Harry and, and Danny DeRoger, we have guys that, that really lead by example, working hard. Um, maybe I'll make an announcement here towards the end about our captains and assistants we'll name today as well. Oh. Right here on the on the captain. That'd be pod. huge on the show. Yeah. On the show. <laughs> That'd be unreal. Uh, but we have real good examples from the leaders this year and, and the new guys that came in, their conditioning uh, has been above average for sure. Yeah, no, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a big year and I I like to ask this question of just kinda like adding on to something about the coaching culture. Uh, you've coached for a long time. You've played for a long time. So I don't know. I, what's the biggest thing? Like you've played through crazy different eras of hockey. You've seen a lot of stuff about the game change. Like, do you like where the game's headed in terms of how it's changing, or like what? Like, in, what have you essentially seen over the years? Like about where the game's headed. Well, I think the the skill level from the kids nowadays is off the charts. Everybody can stick handle. Everybody can shoot. Everybody can skate. Uh, uh, the strides in, in, in those areas has, has been enormous. Uh, I think what's gone out of the game a little bit, and, and, and it's up to you to decide if it's good or bad, but the, the aggressiveness has gone out of the game. You, you look at Tom Wilson was challenging the bench in the <laughs> exhibition game the other night, and everybody was all up in arms. Uh, you know, back in the 70s, that happened every game. So uh, there's pluses and minuses for sure. Um, the game's much more exciting and much more attractive with how, how quick they, they, they play naturally. Uh, the downside is there seems to be a lot more uh, injuries because of the speed the game's played at. And I just find a lot of times there's a lack of respect with how guys do hit guys. Uh, again, you know, the speed may be one of the elements or maybe one of the reasons why the, these hits are taking place. But uh, I think the game's much more attractive today. Um, I know Don Cherry didn't really like last year when the Carolina Hurricanes were <laughs> rocking it after the game. But you know what, in Europe that's what every team does every night. And uh, if I'm a fan paying 300 bucks, I don't mind a little bit of a show mm -hmm. at the end of the game yeah. either. It's kind of like Vegas too, right? When sure, showtime. Yeah. And yeah. honestly, I find like it, hockey's been, like they've, hockey's always been proud to be that sport that's so professional. And I think it's not, like you have one team in the NHL that does that. It's not yeah. like, if you don't like the Carolina Hurricanes, that's fine. Like yeah. That's what they're doing. I don't think it's the end of the world. If you don't agree with it, don't watch it. But like you said, in Europe, that would be every single team would be doing that. Mm -hmm. Like We don't talk about that being a problem. So it's just kind of funny. 
But it's, it's crazy. Maybe it's my old teammate Don Woodell from the Carolina Hurricanes bringing that in. <laughs> the GM that played with me in Rappersville. You guys played together? Yeah. Nice. How was he as a guy? Did oh, he was a great guy. He was yeah. a good player. And he was supposed to come back the, the next year again, but he got a stick in the eye in summer hockey and really? stepped back for a year and then rejoined at that time the old International League here in North American State put here. and. Went through the general manager phases, working in San Diego, and then he had, I know, the Orlando Solar Bears in the International League, and he's putting 17,000 people in the stands there game, wow. and uh, got the chance with, with the Atlanta Thrashers, got them up to the playoffs, stepped in as an assistant GM in Detroit, that's the area he's from, and, you know, he's working in the front office in Carolina, and then they had that little bit of a kerfuffle last year mm -hmm. with the GM, and stepped in, and good things wow. happened. Yeah, it's crazy. One thing I've always find crazy about Mike, Mike, Mike has the craziest memory. Like you can like, <laughs> he'll go back, he'll be like, yeah, 1984, we were up 2-2 in the second period and came up for the blue line, I snapped one. Like you, you got it, like you, you remember like everything. <laughs> you do though. Because over the years talking to you, like you can name off like a play you had in a game in junior, like in the second period. Doesn't need video, he just remembers it, I'll talk to him. <laughs> yeah, it's funny that way. There, there are different people. Uh, that mention that to me quite often, including my wife's always telling me about that. <laughs> I just think it's funny. It's it's cool to hear you like remember you remember it with such detail. You know, it, it it paints the picture pretty well. How much has your coaching morphed from your first year here in Sing to now? Do you think you've kind of changed a bit of your style, or has it been the same throughout the years? No question, I've changed uh, with with the, the student athletes now uh, with their uh, with with their commitments to school some of them still have to work to help themselves get through school uh, our off-ice training our on-ice training um, I think that all has to be taken into consideration on on how you talk to them uh, I believe too that uh, there is such a thing as the new millennium player as yeah. well uh, they're much more sensitive they they do look for instant gratification instant uh, praise uh, for me, it's just a matter of time between before all the pro teams, they're going to have someone that's going to put an Instagram or a, a Twitter feed together for each player after a game, showing their good scene and and, and patting yes, them on the back, saying you're a great. I really believe that's coming in pro hockey. That's wow. that's just a matter of time. But uh, I don't think you can you can talk as 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 hard or as direct to the players anymore as as you could have maybe when we first started up ten years ago. Uh, players are much more sensitive. Uh, they're much more analytical. Uh, you can't just say do this. They want to know why this is, this is going to be done or how it'll work. And uh, yeah, I think I've evolved in that area as well. Interesting. Absolutely. And just going on, just like just touch on. Um, I feel like a lot of people don't really understand. Like, I, essentially, the league we play in is quite. It's it's very competitive, and you know, we're in that jam-packed OUA Eastern Conference with some big schools that, yeah. you know, regardless of program, I think all of our, every athletic team at this school runs into them. Just just speak a bit on, like, when you came from, were you surprised with, like the, like you said, you mentioned it a bit earlier, but were you, like, generally surprised at the level of hockey that U Sports has been putting forward? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm almost astonished with, with how our division specifically, as you, as you alluded to, how strong it's been. I believe we've been in the league 10 years and our divisions won the championship eight or nine times in the 10 years. But uh, you look at the last couple of years, we've had six of our te 10 teams that are in the top 12 in Canada. Wow. It, it just makes it a murderous role. Uh, everybody has uh, certainly their, 
their strengths in area of recruiting. Some schools have full-time recruiters, uh, teams like Three Rivers being an all-French university or UQTR. Uh, All-French University almost has a monopoly on the Quebec League players, the Quebec major junior players. Uh, McGill, again, with the prestige, brings a different element of player. Yeah. Uh, Queens, uh, similar, they've done an outstanding job. And then you have Carleton in Ottawa. They get all the kids that have played major junior in the, in the Ontario League and the Quebec League that want to come back home to Ottawa, uh, falling in their laps, you know. And they've had luck in the last few years with NCAA kids coming back. and. Uh, they're being from Ottawa and it didn't work out in the States. Wherever they come back, they don't have to sit out anymore. And they've jumped in and then strengthened those teams. So uh, us and Laurentian up here in the north definitely have some hurdles to overcome in recruiting. Uh, it would be great for us if we had more northern kids playing, major junior for sure. I think that would help us. But uh, the OUA hockey, we, we think our division is, is, is strong and tough, which it is. Uh, then you look at Canada West and the Atlantic Conference and you know they have different parameters they're allowed to to pay different amounts in scholarships and and it doesn't guarantee success but the correlation uh, between winning and money is is it definitely gives you more of a chance we'll say that no it doesn't hurt that's for sure uh, we're seeing a lot of kids going through the NCAA route now to go to the NHL and trying to get signed after that instead of maybe the OHL and stuff do you, do you think you can start seeing a time where kids are going to go through the U sports and trying to get up to the NHL or trying to get through the AHL up the, the rankings that way? I'm really surprised that I'm really surprised that there's not um, more players taken from the OUA and given a chance. I, I believe the OUA league is probably a little bit older than the NCAA uh, and perhaps by 22-23 uh, the pro teams think the players are formed and, and can't change that much. Um, I think what we lack a little bit in, in uh, youth sport hockey is, is practice time. Uh, uh, when we've been to American colleges and played them and you talk to the coaches and they say, oh yeah, we have the ice uh, available for us every day from 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. That's mm -hmm. a little bit different than the 50 minutes you get and have to cover everything and, and really don't have enough time to scratch the surface of what needs to be covered mm -hmm. without having your own rink. And, uh, you know, you see the facilities. We were lucky enough to go to Omaha a couple of years ago, and I'm sure if the major eight kids on our team had have seen a, a facility like Omaha, they would have never went major eight. It was outstanding, and and there's Omaha with five or six draft choices on their team and playing in a beautiful rink. So. Uh, We'll see what Cordell brings us in a couple of weeks. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah, we're playing their homecoming too, right? Yeah, it's going to be sweet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I think I just like to touch on too. A lot of people don't realize, like, touch on U Sports, just how many guys. A lot of people do get the opportunity to continue playing out of this league. There's a lot of guys that do get good pro contracts. Maybe those aren't NHL, like you know what we're what we're seeing sometimes. But you know there are those examples of guys that can make it to NHL. But I do find it's weird that like we are developing players in Canada. And if you don't go into major junior, like the route is to go to the states. Like we're getting them ready to like. Why wouldn't we develop them to stay in Canada and make our schools better? It's just I hope that's something that one day will change. I don't know if that'll ever will change because you know the NCAA does have that prestige. But I think that you know U Sports that rebranding. I think that there's something building here, and there's a lot of there are a lot of players that seem staying in Canada and not going elsewhere. So I just think it's a good thing, and hopefully that continues to keep growing here. Well, I think it all comes down to scholarships as well. And when yeah. when I go back and I think. When I was a U Sport player, and I'm, I'm the same as all the, our guys on our team, you play major, junior, you play university, and I was lucky enough to have the opportunity to go to Europe, but when I was at university, it was at that period that the university hockey coaches were, 
the choice of the day in the NHL. And at that time, there were seven or eight university coaches that went to the NHL uh, with, with men like Dave King and Pierre Paget, Jean Perrault, Mike Keenan, Tom Watt, wow. Bill Mahoney, uh, George Kingston. All these guys went out of university right to the NHL. And our coach at Guelph, Bud Flusowicz, uh, second winningest coach at that time in CIS hockey, uh, was, was pretty much promised the job with the Colorado Rockies the following year and said to me at that time, that may be your chance to have a legitimate shot. And uh, he was all set to go. And unfortunately, at 5 to 12, the rug was pulled out from under him and they hired Don Cherry to go out to coach <laughs> in Colorado. Oh, that's when he flipped yeah. over to Colorado, yeah. yeah. And it crushed, uh, it crushed Bud there uh, at Guelph. He was, you know, all these other coaches had moved up and that opportunity went by. Well, it's just, it, that's too bad, but, you know, it is good to see that there is that, it is, for coaching especially, like Mike Babcock, he coached University Left of Lethbridge in one year and yeah. won a national championship, and there's definitely, you know, there's people making that jump from, from U Sports, from uh, CIS Hockey, so it's great to see. Yeah, I think we should finish up maybe on the roster this year, and maybe a little preview for the season, how you think you guys would do your strength and, you know, kind of attack the roster a bit. Sure, I think, that, again, if, if we can continue to build our, our team chemistry, to the point where it becomes our strengths. I think with the number of new guys and, and the good energy, I think we should be able to uh, for sure get back in the playoff uh, picture and hopefully more towards the middle of the field. Um, we're we're going to carry 27 or 28 players that we currently have and we'll be naming today. And I'll announce this right here on your podcast. We're going to announce our captains and our assistants for this year. Uh, uh, we're looking at uh, Dan DeRoger to be our captain. He's a fourth-year player. He was captain of the Sudbury Wolves uh, yeah, previously. Uh, works hard, uh, good leader, good person for us. Uh, so Danny will take over as captain. Uh, Lucas Brown will be returning as an assistant captain. He was last year already. And then this year we'll be uh, adding two new assistant captains. And one of them is that Harrison Harper. Oh, hey, right here congrats, on, the, man. on the podcast with us. And, uh, <laughs> That's awesome, dude. Uh, yeah. Appreciate that. Our other assistant captain will be Colby Tower from the East Coast. Right he's, he's worked his ass off here all throughout the training camp. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to those four guys uh, being an extension of, of, of my right arm and making sure the guys work hard and, and play hard. And that would be outstanding. And All right, guys, thanks again for having me on the uh, podcast today. I've, I've heard nothing but great things about it. And I understand that it's a bit of an honor for me. I was the first coach invited and didn't have to ask to be on. So for that, I thank you guys as well. Absolutely. Thanks so much, yeah, Mike. Thanks, Mike. And uh, we hope awesome. everyone enjoyed this interview. I hope everyone got a good opportunity to learn a bit more about Mike, a little bit more about his own journey here into coaching and just find out a bit more about how the hockey program's looking coming into this yeah. year. Big, uh, it's Thursday at 11 a.m. as we record this on the 3rd. So season opens up tomorrow for us in Ontario Tech, not UOIT, right. newly reformed Ontario yeah. Tech University. So we have a doubleheader against them back to back Friday, Saturday. So getting things started, big homecoming weekend. Um, if this gets out before that, hope everyone has fun, stay safe. Um, thanks so much for listening to this though. We had another great fun interview with The Lake Show. We have a good time doing this and uh, really happy you all tuned in. Yeah. <laughs> all right, thanks, thanks Mike. Guys. Guys. Appreciate it.